familiar with the song I Don't Like Mondays by the Boomtown Rats? I am not. It is a song that is written by Bob Geldof and it was performed at several uh, benefits in the early 80s, including a couple of the secret policemen's balls that were put on by it to benefit uh, something over there in London. I don't know what it is specifically. I, I insert that information here. <laughs> And then, uh, they, like he played it, he did the song at Live Aid as well. Do you remember Live Aid? Um, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, you remember hearing about Live Aid? I guess I <laughs> should have yeah. said because I was pretty young when Live Aid was out. If that was 1984, I, if I was 10, that makes you three. Okay. Wait, so it's called the the Fat Rat? Is that right? Mm, what? What you're just talking about? Just now, it was called oh, the Boomtown Rats. The oh, the Boomtown Rats. It's a song called "I Don't Like Mondays." I don't like Monday. I knew something had like you know, I don't like Monday. The song has got an interesting history, you know, from what it's about and whatnot, which I will not reveal at the moment. But I would. I just wanted to state that for the record. <laughs> like Mondays. Yeah. So the song, right? Uh-huh. Okay, so according to get, according to the songwriter, he wrote the song after reading a telex report at Georgia State University's campus radio station, WRAS, on the shooting spree of a 16-year-old Brenda Ann Spencer who fired at children in a school playground at Grover Cleveland Elementary School in San Diego, California, uh, U.S., on the 29th of January, 1979, killing two adults and injuring eight children and one police officer. Spencer showed no remorse for her crime, and her full explanation for her actions was, I don't like Mondays. This livens up the day. The song was first performed less than a month later. Galdoff explained how he wrote the song. I'm not going to do his voice. I also don't know what his actual, you know, what his accent is, because I haven't heard him speak that much, but it is a great English accent, and he does speak a little bit in uh, Pink Floyd the Wall, where he plays Pink. Nice. I don't you know, know let me saying. comment on that real quick. Sure, sure. You know what's awesome about like because you, you, you said he had like that really like r- deep kind of like British accent right yeah I'd say yeah absolutely do you know what sucks about that accent hmm what sucks about that accent is because it's it's a nice sounding accent right mm-hmm. I mean I'm not really sure that you can hear an accent coming from me you probably can but I do have like that Jersey accent and not like that but with that type of accent that that guy has Mm-hmm. He could be insulting you, and it still sounds great. Oh well, yeah, it's all about delivery, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Like if he, he'd be like, "So you know what you are? You are a fucking wanker." 
That's what you Bloody fucking wanker. You go to fucking hell, you fucking douchebag. Well, that does sound a little angry. Yeah, but it's that accent, though. You know, like, you, yeah. you can't be mad at that. I, there's, this, there's this comedian, I can't remember his name. It's not Kevin Meany, but it's somebody, I could see his face in my head, and he used to say that the there's a British accent that it just makes, it can make things sound upbeat that aren't. Like, um... <laughs> Like, um, exactly. I've, I've got syphilis. <laughs> Is I've got syphilis. Yeah. I've got syphilis. I've got syphilis. I've had syphilis my whole life. I've got syphilis. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could remember. Yeah. If I can. And that was actually that was actually a pretty good accent, by the way. And oh, just by the way you said that, they, exactly. When they say something, no matter how bad it is, it just sounds like it does sound uplifting. Like. You know what I think? I think today you're gonna die. Mm. You know, something like well, that sounded more Australian, but that's right. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard, hard to do accents. I slip in and out of them all the time, but I try not to. Uh, I try not to do it too often. There's a, there's a certain pitch in the voice right about here that when you add a, uh, a slightly hold on, not really Australian anymore, but it sounds like it was kind of Australian at one time, and you know, and then you just yeah. sort of, you go a little nuts, and it's there, and come on, come on, Riggs, Riggs, we gotta go after him, you know, hey, hey, you stay right here if you want to, Cochise, but I'm going after him, you know, that's then you got like early Mel Gibson kind of thing, where it's sort of a little bit of, you know, or some something that's almost like that. Early Mel Gibson, now when you say early Mel Gibson, do you mean sane Mel well, Gibson? Guess, yeah, I guess I do, and I also mean, I guess, middle Mel Gibson, because his career does go back quite a bit further than, uh, so let's see. So not seventies, late eighties. Mel Gibson, like, and definitely before he uh, had his troubles, uh, <laughs> as they were, uh, had his troubles. Uh, his uh, his whatever it was that was going on there. Uh, oh, a total a total breakdown, dude. Because like I like him when he did the whole um, those three movies, Mad Max. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that was fun. Yeah. So, so basically, before his his good re- reputation went south, essentially. Right. And, well, I mean, if you think about it, where his reputation started going south was not Braveheart, because he directed Braveheart and he acted in Braveheart. And it got Best Picture, I believe. Exactly. So I want to say that's like his, I mean, aside from like the Lethal Weapon movies, like, you know, where he's kicking everyone's ass and they made like four of them, but really not that great. But his crowning achievement, I thought, was was Braveheart. And then when he did the the Christ movie, Oh, the Passion of the Christ, yeah. Yes. It it was done from there, dude. It just his whole career just shot down. Well, I I think it was, you know, possibly you're right. I think I think there's that and I think part of it there was something involved with uh like a there was some news that got out that his father was a Holocaust denier. Uh yeah. Allegedly. And uh uh, that's that's kind of a you know, specific thing. Now that's also not him, but I guess he he did he he got caught. Up. Well, there's a various things where he, there's like there's there's documented video and audio instances of him essentially losing his shit and saying kind of horrible things. You well, know? yeah, I mean, I I read in the newspaper back in oral, very honest things. It's hard to say. Sorry, <clears throat> I read I read a news article back in 2005 that said that he was pulled over and he uh, might have been intoxicated and he was blaming basically the Jewish community for all of America's problems or his problems or Christ's problems. I don't know, dude. 
Yeah, no, see, I heard the same thing, but I never uh, saw the, uh, what's it called, the transcript or heard the recording or, you know, or anything. You know, I, I heard the reports, but I never heard the, the actual, what, what it was specifically, although the content that you mentioned certainly is a part of it and came up. I, I've, it's interesting. I tend to stay away from things like that, uh, although, or I have trouble finding the information when I need it. Which is strange because I'm usually really pretty good at finding stuff. Uh, well, I mean, I I tend to stay away from that type of news because it, you know the media. If you think about it, mainstream media mm-hmm. is about two things: basically, violent crimes, war, and of course, you know, celebrities going over the deep end. Oh, and then you got uh, sports, which are kind of something in the middle. And you got sports, and now because you know it is you know election season, you know now we gotta be suffered with listening to Donald Trump. <clears throat> Donald Trump, yes. The the biggest moron on the fucking planet, dude. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll go on record that I don't trust that person, but I'm not sure that I have to. Uh, I don't. I don't. At the beginning, I thought he was. It was a put on. Yeah, that's what we all thought. It was like it was his typical joke because don't forget, I think it was during the second run for Obama that he announced that he was running for president and demanded to see the president's birth certificate. Yeah, I yeah, I remember that. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are. (laughs) I was going to say he demanded to see the president's birth certificate. No, I was going to say that there's a lot of people who uh, the other thing who were going who were running for president. there was like it's not just the Obama, but in the last few pre- presidents or major races, there have been a large swath of people that are just deciding that they're running for president, but none of them has gotten as far as he has so far. Well, yeah, I mean, that, the whole thing is a joke, just like him. That's why I tend to stay away from the more serious news because it's the same tiresome thing over and over again, and. The only bad part is is that I don't trust news per se on social media either because anyone can just take a picture and just add a caption to it. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I I'm kind of on the side of I really hope that it's still a, that I that it's actually a put on and that it's just still a put on and that it's it's he's just taking it to the uh, to the utmost. Yeah, and 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 that basically what's going to happen is he may get you know because we can't say that he absolutely won't get elected president at this stage. So in case in the event that he does, I that would be the time for him to step forward and say, "I was kidding. Just want to see if I could do it." I still hope that too, actually. And you know, the, the scary part is is that one of the greatest American shows I think, or you know, in our decade, well, in my lifetime would have to be The Simpsons on Fox Five. And they predicted that, you know, Trump was going to run for president. Who did? Uh, The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember Trump from... I remember Trump from uh, Saturday Night Live. uh, But, like, back when Phil Hartman, rest in peace, and Jan Hooks, rest in peace, were playing Donald and Ivana Trump. This was in the early 90s, I believe, and I had started recording Saturday Night Live on a regular basis back then, committing some of them to tape. So that was the Donald Trump that I was aware of until he started his uh, kicking up. uh, Well, I think it was the birth certificate thing that then I, that's when I started noticing him again. Basically, I've 
I've only noticed him when he's done terrible things, and I think that's his secret. They say he keeps saying terrible things, and the people won't stop noticing him. Exactly, because you know what? He can. In our sick society, he can basically say whatever he wants because he's a billionaire. Should he say it? No, obviously, because there's moral and ethical well, reasons to say not to say certain things. But sure. he, he just breaks. He has absolutely no morals. He he has no ethics. You know, he's vulgar, stupid. You know, he's not really interesting enough to make me want to be sick. But be, because our our system is set up that with the idea that everyone can run for president of the United States and chase that dream. Well, not that's why we have to have. That's why we have to let Donald Trump basically run for president because he got to where he was, and thanks to the Republican voters, and that's it. Yeah. So let's see. He was. Uh, what was it? Something about. Um, I agree with most of what you just said. I just can't. I can't remember all of it. There's quite a bit of it. That was pretty good. I'll have to go back and listen to it and be like, yeah, yeah. Thank I you, I get really yeah I get really bad vibes off the man. <laughs> Not to be too much of a hippie about it, but it really just you know if there's something. But you know what really worries me is that there's probably a lot of really smart people that really like him, and I'm not sure if it's because they also think he's kidding and aren't afraid to go along with the lie, kind of like wrestling fans do, you know? Like, like or, or, or professional wrestling, you know? Like, there's a contract in the with the audience, an unspoken one, where the, the people who know it's fake don't give a shit. It's, it's a soap opera, and that's what's fun about it, you know, about wrestling. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, well, and the athleticism, of course. But I mean, like, you know, what I mean, it's, it's, it's. Do you know what I mean? It's a story. It's a that's that's. There's a contract where the audience goes, yeah, I know it's a story, but I don't care. But then there are also people who don't know that it's not real. Still, exactly. And the people who, like, you're right. There, it is an unspoken contract because, and really, what brought that contract on, I think, is the fact that in the past, like in the the old days, like, you never had a spotlight behind the curtain, you know, when you watch Monday Night Raw. And now with all the reality shows and social media and the internet and all that, they kind of put a spotlight back there. So, the, you're right, the more hardcore fans would say, okay, it's fake, but we don't care. And then there's people that actually think that it's real, and that's what Donald Trump fans are. They, they think what he says is real. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah I'd say it's probably both. I would, I just hope that yeah they think what he's well I don't know I'm so confused by by how how it's gotten so far uh, but but I'm not totally confused I mean I'm not helpless I've heard people's uh, people's very funny uh, at times um, assessments of how how we how it managed to happen and. Uh, can't think of any specifically. It was like I think Harvey Feinstein said something about the how the Republican Party has earned Donald Trump for being awful, basically, and that's I'm paraphrasing. Uh, uh, it, no, that that sounds about right. I, I've actually exactly the Republican Party does deserve Trump because they're sick in the head and they caused the problem. See, this is why more people need to listen to this podcast because we offer everything and we just summed it up for everyone out there listening. We don't like Donald Trump. We think he sucks. And when he doesn't get elected, anyone who voted for him, you can leave with him. Yeah, I, I, I want to go on record. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of his. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, because, you know, you're awesome like that, dude. And most normal people that are open-minded and intelligent would not be following Donald Trump. I just think he's hurting the world with what he's doing. And I'm, I'm, and I'm not sh- I can't really state why specifically. <laughs> it just feels like he is. But then again, I just know how I feel. It's not a valid argument. So I, t- I think he's bad for the world. Or, or maybe... <laughs> There will be a major turnaround at a very late hour when people will suddenly figure out it's a bad idea and turn on him, and that's the best I can hope for at this point. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm waiting for the Republican Party to grow some balls, and I'm not talking about the you know the teabaggers, the Republican teabaggers, that joyous group. Because yeah, I honestly, very about them too. Because honestly, that's the group that really started this whole Christian. Not bashing the Christians, but, you know, this whole Christian nonsense where, you know, the country lacks God, the country lacks lacks religion. We can't lose our guns. We should take our guns to McDonald's and Walmart because we need them there in case a terrorist breaks in. I'm going to take my gun and I'm going to shoot their asses off. That sort of thing, you know what I mean? Oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't heard uh, haven't heard them say that. But then, yeah, I haven't been listening to them. So, yeah, what the hell? Well, if you follow social media, right? Uh, and as you know, you know you're in the podcasting business, and you do a lot for the other podcasts and combat radio. You're their entertainment director over there, right? Something like uh, that. Something like that. I mean, I it's it's. Uh, I'm happy to be asked to do anything for them. I just haven't had a lot of time recently, so I feel less involved than I used to be. I certainly used to be more involved. On a side note, hmm. I think it's December sixth. Um, oh, Another important public announcement to everybody. All right. December 6th, I think it's December 6th, but every December, early December, at the Salt Creek Grill, this will be the sixth year, is it? The Salt Creek the Salt Creek Grill, this is the, I think it is the sixth sixth year. Yes. Having the, trouble with the word sixth. <laughs> me too. This year would be Combat Radio's sixth annual Christmas breakfast for homeless children. Yes. And Combat Radio is working alongside with the children of social services, not to mention a billion awesome other people that are getting involved in this. And you can, too. Do some good for the planet. Get involved. You can find them on, of course, across all social media, including Facebook. If you go on Facebook, find the link. You can uh, check it out. Be part of the awesomeness. Do some good for the planet. Follow Combat Radio on Twitter and Instagram and uh, Facebook, if you like. And you can listen to them live every Friday. 10 o'clock. Friday, 10 o'clock on LA Talk Radio, Channel 2. Definitely the best radio that you will ever listen to, aside from us, of course. But, um, yeah, the and plus, if you actually go to, um, if you go on to the uh, internet and you look up LA Radio, Combat Radio, you can actually listen to past uh, radio uh, episodes. Oh, yeah, if you go to the, the, if you go to the YouTube channel, Combat Radio Images, you can see... Uh, what I used to do for Combat Radio on a more regular basis where I'd put up videos for them. Um, uh, ba- I'd basically put pictures or simple pictures to their uh, to their uh, episodes. Um, so that's Combat Radio Images. That's all one word as a thing. And you can see... Uh, let's see. So there are... Hmm, okay, nope. Oh, that's nice. There's 113 subscribers. Well, that's pleasant. Uh, let's see here. 
How many? I videos? happen to be one of the subscribers. I believe I'm a sub- I'm a subscriber too. I can see the check mark on there. Of course, I'm subscribed. But yeah. And I can actually remember my very first. Now, this is how I discovered combat radio, everybody. And how I discovered it was the same way combat radio imagery on YouTube and uh, through Tyson, of course. And my first ever was his first ever, but he was on the show at the time. Was uh, Plan Nine, which was very fucking awesome commentary by Tyson here. Oh yeah, you know, thank you. I appreciate that. I would, that got me thinking. Yeah. I should post a link to that uh, for the show. It is that is, I believe, the first video, uh, uh, the first video I did for them for Combat Radio Images. Um, but they have other stuff on it. It's from earlier. They actually have some videos. The sixteenth video, it looks like, is uh, Combat Radio Plan Nine from Outer Space, and that is uh, when I called in for the first time and did a, a talk on that. And I'll, I'll have to go into the origins of how that worked out. Uh, Wasn't uh, Mark Ryan on that episode? You know, it's a good question. Let me see if I put... See, I I started putting faces on the front. I wasn't sure what he wanted when I made this first one. Okay, so there's a title card. I see Friday, April 6th. And fade down. In the room, Ethan Dettenmeyer, Mark Ryan, Rick Mora, and J-Ro of the Alcoholics. Nice, nice. Sorry, of the Alcoholics. It's not... It's T-H-A. Uh, Mark Ryan, everybody, is the voice of uh, Bumblebee from Transformers. Yes. And a slew of other things, of course. A bunch of other things. Yeah, he was Mr. Gates, I believe, on uh, the first season of Black Sails. Uh, yes. Which is a pretty amazing show on the first season. Uh, I remember. I have not gone on to watch the second or third yet, but I will eventually because I uh, enjoyed the first one so much. So, let's see. So, after that, I'm looking at... Like there was a bunch of them where there is the combat radio shield right in the middle of the uh, screen, like dead middle, and then there's, there's kind of pictures of the guys, uh, who are, whoever the guests are, and I didn't make any of those, but they look really nice. I like the way they look, looking at their thumbnails. Um, the combat radio Leonard Peltier, Robert Redford thing, that's one he was I was asked to do. Um, I started getting really into adding stuff to the to the videos, and then. That's where the Operation Lusty Combat Radio versus the Cast of Ancient Aliens ones come in. There's one that looks like an UFOs flying over over uh, aircraft carriers. I did that, or they're, no, they're, sorry, they're not aircraft carriers. They're battleships. They're, they're they don't have a place to land shit on, so they're not an aircraft carrier. <laughs> um, uh, into those, and then eventually after starting with there's a well I figured it out basically that he didn't want really long drawn out clips he wanted just something kind of simple with you know like what had gone before so basically starting with combat radio with Billy D. Williams uh, from four years ago that little interview clip which is probably about 30 seconds long or something uh, I guess after a certain time it kind of like cuts off I guess so that's right we can, we can fix that yeah it's not a problem Oh, so basically, I did everything north of that until, like, I almost everything north of that. I did. I, I would say I'm gonna say, to be fair, probably about 95 percent of the videos on that page. So, I mean, uh, you know, there's that's. I guess that's not really important, but it's it's. Uh, no, it's definitely word, important, but, dude. But that's I mean, that's I'm just I just never really thought about that because there's a few people who were doing stuff before. There is on the last one on there is uh, a funny strawberry alarm clock ad. He wanted me to do something kind of funny. He asked for a specific thing, so it's like a minute long. And then a couple before that, there's a combat radio Christmas special from 
one year ago. It must it looks like as the, apparently the most almost the most recent one. So yeah, that that that's from December twenty third, twenty fourteen. So the twenty fourteen one, nice. I, I didn't edit any of that. But if the viewers want to see what one of the past Christmas events looked like, they can go to Combat Radio Images, and the third to last video is called the Combat Radio Christmas Special, and that'll get people aware of the event and why they're doing it and who comes by there. I believe it is uh, hosted by Carolyn Hennessy and um, Stan Zimmerman, who I believe wrote uh, Ellen and Roseanne. some other things. Uh, he's, he's got... Qu- oh, Roseanne, yes. Probably not Ellen. Who wrote for Roseanne. And, uh, yeah, he's great. Whenever he's on Combat Radio, it's a, it's a fun go going back and forth oh, with them. Oh, I... Ethan's got his A Combat Radio Christmas uh, t-shirt on that day as well. Nice. That is... Fantastic! I was going to say hilarious, but I didn't want to sound like didn't want to seem like that was that didn't seem like a nice thing to say. Yep. It's just it's hilarious to me because I love seeing the Combat Radio logo dressed up. Yeah, so does that make sense? <laughs> That's all it is. I just like I look at it and it's going, oh, it's themed. That's cool. Like, oh, it's on a pumpkin or whatever. Oh, know? I definitely so. like when it, they do like the seasonal stuff and for Combat Radio and of course for all of its affiliates including us we normally get busy during the season of uh, well Halloween and who doesn't like Halloween and then a little bit of a break before we jump right into the uh, to the whole Christmas thing and it's going to be held at the Salt Creek Grill for the sixth time which is awesome and also too they bring in like what is it like six to five to six hundred kids Polar Express style that's what they say I mean, I've never been to one, but um, I do live closer this year, so who knows? I might be able to get down there this year. <clears throat> well, I, I mean, I've definitely been involved for all, you know, the the six of them, but I've, I've never actually got out there before, so I just do what I can on my end. I must have gotten involved around 2012, I think. That sounds about right. I think right. that's when I got involved. That sounds about right. Uh, I'll know exactly when I did if I go back to the video on the channel and check the relative date of how long ago did I post that Plan 9 video <laughs> holy crap uh, I also really appreciate that uh, Ethan has uh, he's played my music on his show and I, I appreciate that so let's see um, no, your, your music's pretty badass dude oh thank oh. you um, it's kind of all over the map isn't it though I mean, it's not like uh, I have any one particular style I do I yeah guess. different styles is good I like all sorts of different stuff though, so it's that's that's kind of guess guess that's why it is the way it is. Please okay, tell let's me see here. <clears throat> smooth jazz. Me? Yeah. I'm trying to think. I don't know what would be an example of smooth jazz, like Kenny G. Ex- well, I guess or, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't listen to the smooth jazz station, but I I don't know that I would hate a, a smooth jazz. You'd have to you'd have to come up with a specific track that I'd have to hear and go, you know, and go, oh yeah, I'd really. That creates on my nerves, but I mean, like I've heard stuff that kind of passes as smooth jazz, um, or could be that now, like uh, some Chuck Mangione. Uh, uh, hmm. That's it. Yeah, like that. Yeah, you're nodding. Yeah, you know what that is. I like that, but I mean, that's one song. You know, I also like Steely Dan. Some people think that's smooth. You like Steely Dan? Yeah, they're one of my favorite groups. You need to get flogged, uh, bitch. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, Plan 9 thing was uh, four years ago, and also, I believe, in, like, April. Uh, oh, actually, it would say the date. Uh, okay. Friday, uh, April 6, 2012. Segment, so I want you guys okay, to yeah, that, I mean, well, that's when you uploaded that video? 
Yeah, so you couldn't hear that just then when I was playing that over the mic, right? Like the sound still doesn't. No, uh, it doesn't doesn't, doesn't come doesn't. to my end. Uh, okay, that's good. So that'll. Uh, I mean, well, actually, it's not. I mean, it's not fantastic because it would be great if we could, uh, you know, and you could play stuff for me and I could listen to that. Oh, they have the full movie on uh, 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 Planet Nine from Outer Space on YouTube. Oh, do they? Nice. Apparently, you ever seen it? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I've seen like really um, well, it. not the whole thing, mm-hmm. but I've seen um, like half the movie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, totally. It's uh, well, it's yeah. Which half? First or the second half or the middle half? Uh, first half. Okay, because it's uh, an hour and nineteen minutes long, apparently. So if you saw any sixty minutes out of it, you could technically have seen half the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. So the first half? Yeah, the first half. Okay. Yeah. So, um, did you want to just to break to talk about format for a moment? Did you want to talk about um, gaming or anything or any you know also yeah we or, can uh, any type of any type of books or comic books or anything related to pop culture that you want to, or movies that you've seen that, that you want to recommend or talk about or anything like that? Well, the well yeah the um, well the game that I would recommend right now for everyone PS4 wise would have to be Dying Light Two. Oh, for PS4. Okay, I think I can get that for the Xbox One as well. Well, I know you can get the first Dying Light on Xbox One. So so you have a PS4? Yeah, I do, actually. Uh, well, I went from a Xbox 360, which I still love. I still play a lot of my games on that. But... Oh, yeah. Huge library. Huh? Huge library. I mean, it was a, it's a console that lasted for, what, 10 years? Oh, yeah, years? absolutely. Like, or well, the, the Xbox still 360, lasting. I think, lasts longer than the original 360 because it used to get that red line of death. Oh yeah, or the red yes, ring of the death. Yes, the red ring yeah. of death. Instead of getting the Xbox One, I just went over to PlayStation Four. So Dying Light's actually the first game is actually pretty awesome. So I haven't played Part Two, but I definitely recommend Part Two because I def- oh and Fallout Four. Oh yeah, Fallout Four is good. I like Fallout Four too. Uh, I like the Fallout series in general. I uh, I go back at least to uh, which isn't terribly far, but I go back at least to Fallout Three. Oh, I love Fallout Three. Yeah, that one. Uh, I uh, I kind of uh, I was sort of there when the uh, earliest first-person shooters uh, came out, like Wolfenstein 3D and Doom, back when these were shareware and whatnot. And I had a IBM compatible uh, 386 with 80 megabytes of memory, and uh, <laughs> and I was trying to make music back then, even. And these, you know, the first-person shooter is an experience that I always enjoyed from the beginning. So when they made a first-person role-playing game that has shooting elements and still kind of felt like a first-person person exploration, it was just seemed perfect. Plus, this, it's got so much story in it that I, you can, you know, you can spend so much time just figuring out what the backstory of the planet is. You know? Oh, absolutely. Uh, up to that point, because it's a split timeline, it's an alternate timeline. You know this. It's it's split off uh, in I think the mid fifties or something uh, from our timeline, supposedly. Do you, do you remember? Do have you read any of the? Do you know where the timeline split in the Fallout universe? I do not. I believe it was around the. Uh, it was the invention of the transistor. So, it's a world where the invention of the transistor never occurred or didn't occur until later. And then, uh, <clears throat> because of that, because of that little butterfly effect or something, uh, then that's why the cars are still powered by you know they still have hydrogen fuel cells that are really volatile, so you can like you know shoot them and then they catch on fire and then there's a tiny what looks like an atomic explosion 
happening in front of you. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So that's where that, that's why the aesthetic is still kind of in the 1950s. So it's like future, retro future kind of looking. Which is know? awesome looking, I should say. Yeah, it's great. It's just you know, it's a fully realized. I love uh, details in fully realized worlds. It's one of my favorite things about gaming is getting in a whole new world, like the Bioshock series, or at least or at least Bioshock One and Bioshock Infinite. And I have not played two. I have not uh, played Bioshock yet. Bioshock's pretty amazing if you have time for it. It's a it's a pretty interesting game. But Bioshock Infinite is so much more. Uh, just the idea of what it does with alternate history and once you figure out what the alternate history is that they that they can see this parallel universe exists in it just it just becomes mind-blowing because then you start thinking oh yeah that would be interesting if that happens yeah i wonder what what would happen if blah happened and then you've got whole other games and storylines occurring in your head absolutely and that's kind of kind of part of the experience you know uh the only game that comes close to that i think aside from fallout 4 is um well definitely um Fallout 4 because they added like so much like game con- um, game content then there is yes. another game that just came out but I can't remember it but I think my friend said it was unbeatable unbeatable? as, as it would take like as as being a, a very very oh. long time to beat um, you know, it could be this new game that just came out, but it might not be it, because this new game that I'm thinking of doesn't actually have, I don't think it has an end game, and it just came out, and it's not available for Xbox One, it's only available on PS4 and PC, and that's the exploration slash mining slash what, you know, uh, space I think game, No Man's Sky. Yeah, that's it. Is yeah, that's it? it, No Man's Sky. That that leg game looks really great. I that looks like something I'd spend too much time doing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, if but, it's for PS4, one, yeah. I think um, in the future I'm going to pick it up. I have yeah, I've had so little time to game lately with all the different projects that I got going simultaneously. It's just been like I get a little bit of a break occasionally, and I'll play like Saints Row Four for the for the Xbox One. Is a, I got into that series kind of late, but once I did, I was like, "This is awesome!" And they just kept getting more crazy and fun. And then came out on the uh, like a remastered version on the Xbox One. I was like, "Yeah, I'll play this again. Why not?" You know, it's this is a good deal. They have a lot of great deals in Xbox One, uh, but they did on the Xbox 360 as well. Like there are free games every every two weeks. Oh, nice! And and that's been going on for like two years. They gave away Dead Souls free. They gave away. Uh, Dead Island free. They gave away Just Cause Two, Assassin's Creed Two. I love Assassin's uh, Creed. It's a great series. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I, I've kind of stalled a bit with it. I, like I, I played one all the way through and two all the way through, except for the expansions. And then, uh, then there was a couple between that and three. I think Brotherhood and um, Revelations, I believe, were the ones between two Assassin's Creed Two and Assassin's Creed Three. Then I played. And Assassin's Creed Creed, Creed Three, Assassin's Creed Three, and I have not finished it, but it, it's really good. That means I got a chance to go back to it at some point. And uh, the fourth one is the same way, like the one where you're a pirate. So I've kind of I'm sort of between, sort of not quite done with either of those. But I also have uh, not Syndicate. Syndicate's the one I'm I'll build, I'm building up to. It's the one that was. It's the one that. Uh, Oh, this is great radio. It's the one that... Uh, it wasn't Black Sails, was it? 
You know, it might be Unity. Oh, Unity? Oh, no, Black's... Yeah, Black, that's the one. That's It's just kind of got a bunch of... Like, I haven't... Re- I barely scratched the surface of that one, but I really enjoyed being able to go out in the ship and, uh, you know, and, and sh- you know, uh, uh, be... Uh, actually shoot cannons in other ships. Well, not actually, you know. No, if I said I really love to go shoot cannons in other ships, you know, I'm, I'm social. <laughs> I should be put on an island by myself. But in the context of a video game, an antisocial behavior is like... Exactly. <laughs> And you know, please do more of this. It's you know, it's safe. It's safe. It's like it's like having a dream. It's being another life. It's a violence with no consequence. Exactly. Well, um, you, you heard it, everybody. You know, he just said he wanted to go out in ships and bomb other ships. So you know, he's a pirate. It gives me the experience I'll never know, and uh, <laughs> it and it's and it makes it fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I get the experience of wailing, which, you know, uh, and I don't mean like, you know, I mean, you know, throwing a harpoon at a giant fish. Wow, now he's thinking about killing whales, that whale hater. (laughs) (laughs) I read Moby Dick. I mean, there was like whole chapters just on whale bones. True. Actually, um, what's that movie that just came out during last winter Uh, about Moby Dick? It's called the yes that, and it has Chris 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 Hemsworth in it. Yes, uh, I know I know what you're talking about. It's not the old man in the sea. It's not time and tide. It's 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 not it's when di- it's when Melville actually went to one of the uh, survivors on the ship to talk about where he got his idea from Moby Dick. In the heart of the sea. Yes, I actually saw yeah. that in the movie theaters, and it was pretty fucking awesome. I should say. I have not seen that, but I will. You definitely should. Like anyone that actually likes the story of Moby Dick and all that, definitely has to see this movie because the whale that he based Moby Dick on is kind of like the same, actually. Interesting. Oh yeah, man. What what this whale does, like to those harpooners in Heart of the Ocean, was like totally fucked up, man. It was like that whale was like killing people and taking names, dude. I think it's in the heart of the sea. Isn't the heart of the ocean that uh, jewel in Titanic? The heart of the ocean was, yeah. Yeah, why do I know that? Because you watched Titanic, dude. Everybody watched saw Titanic. Least, saw it at least once. Exactly. Least once. I saw it at least once, too, in the movie theater. You know, I, I'll tell you, I saw it a bit later on VHS, but I didn't see it in the theater because, uh, let's see, it was 1997, so that would make me 23... Yeah, I was in kind of a weird place at that time of my life, and I really didn't feel like crying in public any more than necessary. Oh yeah. And I had a feeling, and I had a feeling it was probably going to make me upset in spots, you know, like movies can do when they're, you know, when they're when they when you get wrapped up in a story or when you know there's emotional moments, you know. Oh, absolutely. If you buy into, if you buy into the reality of what you're watching, and you know, then then it's just, uh, you know, I'm sure that I wouldn't have been the only one, but it just uh, I didn't feel the need. Because at that stage, I was, uh, let's see, I was, I think I had just started taking antidepressants, which I'm no longer on, but these, these were these were a new phase of my life when I was trying to work out some stuff, so I thought I'd try, hey, why not, you know, try an antidepressant. And so I wasn't really having a lot of emotional reactions to things, and when I did, 
they would feel more like tiny nervous breakdowns, I guess you could say. Kind of like Holly Hunter in Broadcast News, when she just takes a few minutes in the movie occasionally and just starts crying on her bed, and then she mm-hmm. blows her nose and then gets on with her life, because she has a very hectic and focused life, you know? And not that I did, but that, you know, it was just like, why, why am I crying? What's happening? You know, what's, why, what's happening to me? You know, but that's more nowadays. Like people, people who are like, you, you look forward to in your later, like in 38 to 42, watching a commercial and being like, what's going on? <coughs> I'm okay. <coughs> you yeah. Know, it'll, you know, if it's not happening now, it's, it's coming. That's great. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's okay. It's really okay. It's good to, you know, it's not a sign of weakness. It's just, uh, I mean, it is if we're all, you know, parasites that just eat each other. But if, as long as we're people, then there's nothing wrong with having an emotional moment when necessary. <laughs> Not that we're parasites. Yeah. You know? you know, otherwise, we're just, you know, emotional cannibals and, and you know, sociopaths. And, you know, we've got to be able to... You know, they say one in four persons is a sociopath. I did not know that. I don't know. I don't know that that's true. That's just what I heard recently. It could be complete and utter horseshit, but it's it's frightening if you think about it because you can look at a room full of people and go one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, and then think one of those four is a sociopath. Oh, absolutely. But but you know when we'll know it's a problem when they start making an a, a sociopath anti-defamation league. True. Saddle. 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 Mount up. Now no. And then we'll know then we'll know who the uh who the people without empathy are because they will have focused into one area. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, uh, we, we as a species though, you know, we do act more like parasites than actual mammals. That's true, Agent Smith. Because, you know, parasites they get into a host, they they ravage that host until there's nothing left and then they move on to the next host. Kind of like the way humans do. We, we get into an area, we exhaust the natural resources, we populate, and then we have to move into yet another area. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's completely true. By the way, did you ever hear my Christmas track from the first album? Oh, I did. Yeah. It actually has lyrics. It's just I didn't uh, record them onto that version. So I think I'm going to do a new version and uh, include the lyrics with it. That's a good idea. So like there will be a sung performance on it from somebody, perhaps me. I haven't I haven't decided yet. What what I'd really like to do is I'd like a choir to perform it, like a choir, a four part, yeah, a choir with a four part harmony choir, like a madrigal choir with a couple of basses, a couple of tenors, a couple a couple of altos, a couple of sopranos. That's a good idea. I like I like that. Like. Like like a well balanced set of carolers, kind of, you know, yeah. like it's a to make it sound like a something that's been around for a while, like a standard, you know, yeah, to to fool people essentially, <laughs> <laughs> so they don't know that it's not a classic, to make it give the impression that it's a classic and they they just haven't heard it yet. There you go. Uh, well, at least try and get something like that across. Um, but you know, it's uh, so yeah, the Christmas album. So there's. This this year in 2016 makes the it's the sixth. It is called the yes. I say it's the fourth animal in 2014. Oh oh that did I say animal? Yes, you did. Annual the fourth annual. It's the fourth. It's animal the fourth animal that was left off the ark. It was one of the you know, those um, poor unfortunate nope. bastards. 
Oh, you can actually figure out how, how it was by the number is uh, corresponds to the year. So 2016. So the first one must have been in 2010. Ah, yeah. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. So in 2010, I had only been on Twitter for like a year, and I think I was listening to Kevin Smith's network pretty heavily. If it had started then. That's because Kevin Smith it, is the bomb. And I think. Yes, yes, he's... Oh, yeah, you know what? It would have to be... Yeah, by then, I was definitely listening to his... You know, I was listening mostly to his network. I had discovered Smodcast a couple of years before that. I'm sort of walking myself backwards in time, but I re- realized that it has to be right, even though it doesn't seem like that, because in 2010, I listened to his... And I mentioned this in the last episode. I men- I listened to his 40th birthday uh special thing and his he was born in 1970 so you can just you know it's easier to add zeros you know absolutely <laughs> state that's that is quite the movie that is yeah 2011 yes indeed oh you're absolutely right it's quite the movie it's it's i think the first creepy performance that we saw of michael parks before he went over to tusk you know definitely we saw that creepy like kind of like i'm fucked in my head type of personality that we will later see in the movie Tusk and it's just when he plays creepy he definitely plays creepy like when he did like the whole reverend thing in you know Red State looked like a creepy fuck oh um Michael Parks absolutely yeah I need to yeah I will see that eventually you know it's interesting I just read here uh, in the in the uh, apparently there's an episode of Comic Book Men called Commercial. Have you seen much of Comic Book Men? Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, of course. I watch it every Sunday when uh, The Walking Dead's on. Okay. Yeah, I need to catch up on that on both of those things. I have not really I've not I've not really seen The Walking Dead. I've seen like half of the pilot and thought it was good, but I didn't really have time to, to oh watch it at the time. God, dude, The Walking Dead is the fucking shit. I'm like a diehard fan. I, I hear it's good. I just uh, it's TV is one of those things that's difficult for me to have time to to commit to. Like so, I'll tend to binge not or not binge watch, but I'll tend to watch a couple of shows at a time much later after they come out. Like right about now would be a good time for me to get into The Walking Dead because I could probably catch up. Oh, absolutely. To it, Plus, to they some. have the, all the seasons on Netflix. Like what am I on? I'm on season two of Arrow at the moment, and I I uh, we just finished the first one. Laura had never seen it. That's uh, Laura's my wife, by the way. I've been married to. A, wonderful woman named Laura for 13 years coming up in December and uh, yes yeah, so we got her into uh, that show nice and and we but it's on like season 4 now and plus uh, a couple other spinoffs and you know I'm only at we haven't even cracked season 2 but so I'm at the end of one beginning of two that's that I haven't gotten farther than that but hoping too soon uh, like Breaking Bad I've seen all five seasons Laura has seen four of them. So, you know, that's one I've seen in, in its entirety, and I'm glad I did, because that, uh, that was, you know, that was hard to stop watching. That was so compelling. Oh, it definitely and, was. Uh, not saying that Arrow isn't compelling. Like some of these, you know, life life kind of has its ups and downs, you know what I mean? <laughs> you just, yeah. uh, sometimes you can, you can go out and get a... <laughs> Like, I've been looking for uh, The Monkees on DVD, because I've never really seen it, but I get the feeling that I would be into it. Right. From the clips I've seen of of, of monkey stuff, uh, it just seems like the, my you know a sense of humor I can get into, and I, I like the music that I've heard. Anyway, so you know what? This is all far off the beaten path, but it says specifically speaking of Red State uh, in the commercial episode of Comic Book Men, Kevin Smith. It says Smith, so you know we have to assume Kevin Smith cited Brian Johnson's film Vulgar as being an inspiration for Red State. 
Now, I've seen Vulgar a few times. Uh, have you seen Vulgar? Let me tell you the most funniest fucking story on the fucking planet. I am so glad that you mentioned that, brother. I love you. Okay. <laughs> I will go on the record. Yes, I don't care. Don't care. All right, so this is this is a true, true story uh, behind Vulgar, right? Okay. Okay. For those of the those of you who are listening out there, I am well. I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. He was actually he grew up down the street from my town. Actually, he lived uh, lived in Atlantic Highlands. I live in Kingsburg. That was for some reason my phone vibrated. I'm sorry about oh, that. That scared the shit out of me, dude. <laughs> he doesn't normally do that unless there's something going on. But yes, Kingsburg. Yes. So we're from Monmouth County. That's why I like him. Oh, okay. So vulgar. Oh yeah, vul- vulgar. Anyway, so I never heard of vulgar per se, right? Mm-hmm. I thought I yeah. had every Kevin Smith movie watched and owned, but I was out working one day, and I have an employee, right, who also happens to be a big Kevin Smith fan, and he was in Vulgar. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He, he well, he played like a small role. Remember that homeless, that fat homeless drunk guy in the beginning? Kind of. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, but that sounds. That's him. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. It's been a while since I've seen Vulgar, but I did see it a few times. Vulgar, at this stage, to this date, is the only film that I have ever reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yeah, I actually have a review for that movie. I gave it a really good review, because I thought that movie was... It's... Look, I'm... Okay, this is the thing. Like, you know, I like all sorts of films. You know me. Like, yeah. I I mean, you know that my my taste range is very wide. Like... I like films that are generally regarded as classics. I appreciate those. And I also like films that a lot of people would never want to watch. So, like, huge range, you know, including all the Ed Wood movies I like. I also like David Lynch, you know. Uh, David Lynch, uh, to some people, uh, is like nails on chalkboard. You know, some of his stuff is very disturbing, very hard to watch for some people. I I don't have a problem with that. So, Vulgar, now... Is one of those movies that you, you know you've seen this like to the to the wrong person this movie can give them nightmares they can you could probably lose a friend being like why did you recommend this to me why would you ever think that I would like this movie kind of, you can get with those people oh you know? absolutely so I don't tend to recommend it to people but I do think that it is uh, it is a fantastically well made film specifically I think that movie speaks a lot about the importance while showing the inhumanity of man to man. It also shows the importance of male friendship. Oh, absolutely. Which is essentially what Kevin Smith's career is all based on. Oh. Is the, I mean, his, his career and his films are all based on the importance of having strong male friends in your life. Not strong as in physically strong, but having good bonds between other guys. Rather than competition, having a good friend who's there for you when the shit really comes down. And, you know, oh, absolutely. So. Yeah. And that movie takes it to the extreme, like from the one extreme to the other, to the worst thing that a man could do to another man, to the best, you know, or to, to the, not the best, but to the most devoted friend scenario. And it is a nightmare. It's like, it's like urban deliverance. It's, Absolutely. But it's a, it, but I think that makes that movie, and there's, there's a lot of humor in it too, which is, which is amazing. Oh, it's, it's it definitely is. Not, not, not that the humor is amazing, but I mean that the, that they're still managed to be. It's such a tightrope. And Brian Johnson directed this movie and I guess wrote it. And I think I think Howard Stern 
said it disturbed him. Like Howard Stern doesn't like this movie, you know. Or I mean, he might now. Who knows? But I believe he said it was one of the first, one of the only movies that he actively either despised or actively disturbed him. I don't want to misquote him. It was Wikipedia, allegedly, whatever he said. Yeah. You know? Well, but, you have to think about a, this, you know, dude. If this movie, I mean, which is awesomely written, I thought, and it just made my jaw drop. But if it can really shock and disturb Howard Stern, who happens to be, you know, the king of trash radio, (laughs) then it's a powerful film. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's not, I don't feel that it's gratuitous. That's the thing. It's like, it's not exploitation. It is really about something, and it's hard to watch in that sense because it's not, because it's very honest. And it's, it could be, uh, you know, it's not. If you, I don't judge these things on audience appeal, <laughs> you know. I, but I would say it's one of the best films of, of, uh, of. Let's see, it came out in the hundred years. Like it's probably yeah one of the best films of that that hundred year period. Or did it come out post two thousand? Well, yeah, I mean, oh, I mean, did it come out post two thousand? I'll look it up. I'm one sorry. of the, it is post two. Yeah, it is actually because okay, it, I think it came out oh, in like nineteen ninety nine. That's the year two thousand. So yeah, I guess at the end of that century. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, one of the the most disturbing things I thought in this movie, or some people might just find it disturbing, is that a guy actually, like, you know, is telling a clown, you know, we're going to bed where I'm going to make hate to you. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 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 that was, it's so, it's so, it's so terrible. It's like, you're not even going to enjoy this a little bit. No. You know, you don't even get, you don't even get to go along as a willing participant. I'm going to make sure that this is A, going to happen to you, and B, you're not going to like it. Exactly. And I think what's other disturbing factors is that this man is married and he has a daughter, right? I guess he's stepdad or whatever, but he's also got two male sons that he takes with him to these things, you know? Yeah, it's like it's like the it's like the family in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, you know, except with less you know, with less skin grafts. Oh, absolutely. It's 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 horrifying, it, but it's um, but it's really it's an important movie. It's 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 uh, you know, my it's not my favorite movie. I I mean, like my I think my favorite movie of all time is still probably at this stage. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? But that's that's so different than the one I'm describing now, and uh, I just think vulgar is a very important well, movie. Like when it comes to to vulgar, right? Mm-hmm. When you watch like a Kevin Smith movie, aside from like Kevin Smith being in the movie itself, there's a very Kevin Smith type feel to his movies. Mm-hmm. Like when you when you watch um, Zach and Mary make a porno, you know he wasn't in it. Jason Hughes was, but you get that. Kevin Smith feel, even though you know, like Seth Rogen's a part of it, but you get that. I agree. It's got, it's got that ring. Exactly. It. It's got it, it. There is something that is very distinctly, like it's like what they say is like a dog whistle for people, where they kind of go, "I hear this, and I recognize this." Exactly. Now I see the stamp of this person in this. Sorry, go ahead. I hear the cadence. I hear the the way the language is being used. I hear the you know. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But. When you watch Vulgar and you watch Tusk, this is where you see a very dark side to Kevin Smith. Well, Vulgar was directed by Brian Johnson. Yeah. And written by, but you had Tusk specifically. Yeah, Red State, actually. Oh, Red, Red State. Red State was where... Red State and Red Tusk for, like, for uh, Kevin Smith. 
Red State is probably the best transitional example because it's literally like after that scene in the first 15 minutes or whatever, when everything starts to go south, suddenly the entire universe gets turned on its head and it's and now you're in territory where you just don't know what's going to happen next and it's uncomfortable. Exactly. Like, again, with Red State, I mean, you've but seen Red State, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a, just what I, that's what I was describing. Exactly. Yes. When you're being, like, saran-wrapped around a big wooden cross... Well, there's that, sure, yeah, yeah. but you can, you, but it doesn't, you can't tell what's, yeah, it doesn't sound like it's no longer something that's recognizable as being what, you, as being a Kevin Smith movie. Now it's just an experience that Kevin Smith happened to put in front of you, like he, like that's the whole scene where that you, you know, they're talking. I don't remember all that stuff because I've seen it the one time, but there's some very colorful language and expressions and things that are, <laughs> and descriptions, you Absolutely. know, and this discussion about. I'm sure there's a discussion about pussy in there somewhere or something like it. You know, I don't know. I don't have that memory chunk is missing in my head. You know, that chip is not, this, but but it is something that is very specifically, oh, yeah, I know this. This is, you know, this is Kevin Smith. And then when it stops being, oh, I know this, this is Kevin Smith, it's, it transforms into something so amazingly different. And I love that he did it just to basically, I mean, it seems like he did it just to prove that he could. Exactly. And he but, actually. Not that he needed to. Spe- not that he huh? needed to. Not that he needed to. Yeah. He did not necessarily need to, but I'm glad that he exactly. did. Exactly. Like, he had, like, an experimental thing transition when he did Jersey Girl, but... Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that was great about that is even though the language was toned down, the cadence and the mood was still... Exactly. Great. It's like... Like, that movie is, like, the opposite of Zack and Mary make a porno. Exactly. But Zack and Mary make a porno is still pretty funny. Yes, I do like that movie. I, I, you know, I have so far enjoyed all of his films. Because um, uh, what would you say? What's that? That dude that plays the gay guy. In, in Justin Long. Oh, Justin Long. Yeah, he's in Tusk. Yep, he's also he also plays the the gay dude in Zack and Mary Make a Porno. He's like, Granny Panties, Hi. and he like wants to take a picture with Mary. Yeah, he's got the really. He's putting on the really deep, serious exactly. voice. Right, he just sort of looks at you. There's a, a great improv uh, on the. There's a lot of great improvs on uh, with Seth Rogen. Yes. So it's like, a, so it's like two different kind of like you know, it's got sort of like the two different deep rumblings happening. Where it's like, yeah, so, so it's kind of like, and he's like, exactly. That's kind of the. That's sort of the dynamic of what's happening, but it's all improv, and those weren't words; those were just impressions. Those are textures. <laughs> Those are sound textures. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking movies. <laughs> Fucking movies. Well, that about does it for the Antisocial Show. I'm Tyson Saner. And I'm Hunter Block. Be decent to each other.